All right, welcome back to Unknown and Talented. My name is Jalon Abrams, and I have a very special guest today. His name is Abiodun Rashawn Banjo. How you doing today? Oh, man, so blessed and blessed. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your platform. And I think you may need to look at the title because uh, after some more work that you've been putting on, it's going to be definitely known and talented podcast. So appreciate I, I, you uh, inviting me to your podcast, and thank you for having me, Jalon. Uh, Jalon, yep, it's Jalon. all good. It's, it's all it's all good. Um, but no, it's all good. But you are a motivational speaker for the youth, and you're also an author. So I want you to talk about that because I've been, you know, looking at your page, and you've been working. You've been you've been you've been working out here. So I just want you to speak about that about being a, a motion motivational speaker, and especially for the youth as well. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So just to kind of go back a little bit, you know, uh, I kind of start out from simple upbringings. I'm just a kid from Far Rockaway, Queens. Shout out to Far Rockaway. Um, you know, a, a lot of my life has been around transformation, around um, getting through challenges. Um, first with being the first um, person in my, my household to go to college and attend college. And then, you know, trying to traverse uh, being into sports and basketball and some pro athletics, which I had uh, a professional career. Um, it just showed me that I was able to, to get through certain challenges and, um, as I started to work with kids in my, my education uh, career and some of the work that I do in nonprofit, I realized that I had to tell my story because there's a lot of kids that come up with similar or some of them have challenges that are different from mine. But if I share my story, if I share the challenges that I was able to overcome, sometimes that can help the next generation or the next young person. So I kind of get pushed into a, a, a life of being a motivational speaker, a uh, mentor, um, a community leader because I felt um, a need to kind of be uh, someone or a resource that I didn't have growing up. Mm, okay, okay. So what, what kind of things did you experience as, as a child? I know you said you were the first person to go go to college, but what was that? Well, what did you experience that you said you don't want somebody else to experience that as well? Well, I, I started to realize coming from an area like, like Far Rockaway, Queens, which is somewhat isolated from the area of New York City. And, you know, if you know the geography of it a bit, it's really isolated. And coming from that area, you know, just like a lot of young people who come from underserved neighborhoods, you realize that there's not a lot of resources that exist, right? We didn't have a movie theater. We didn't have a YMCA, which just recently came. Um, okay. But, you know, we didn't have a lot of these things that adds to young people being productive, being um, successful, being resourceful. So when I started to see that disparity, specifically going to a private school in high school, I started to realize, like, listen, there might be a lot of other communities that have some of the same experiences. So, you know, once I started to kind of live my greatness or live my truth or started being successful, I realized like I knew I had to come back in some capacity to kind of lay a blueprint for other young men or other young people that are trying to get out of some of the same struggles and challenges that they see day to day. You know, a lot of times we just visually think that our, our, community is our limits, right? Like those are the barriers of success or the barriers of where we can see ourselves progress from. But once you see um, the opportunity for success, a lot of young people and a lot of people get the uh, ability to move out of that. And I want to be part of that process for people, um, you know, leaving a trail uh, behind me. Okay. Um. So what was that point where you said, I need to go back and help? Because a lot of times when people are building up, being successful, they forget about the little people. They forget about where they came from. So what made you say, I know you said you don't want them to 
experience what you did but what made you say yo i know i'm progressing i know i'm compressing but what was that moment of saying that okay now it's time to give back were you always had that mindset of the minute i get up i'm gonna do it or did your mindset shift over time no nah, that's a great question that's a great question and coming out of um a place like far rockaway queens you know i keep referencing there because um you know you start to really realize um that there's a more to life and so i started to travel um, I had the opportunity to play basketball overseas. Um, I started out in a small uh, country, Turkey, um, and traveled to Europe and actually finished up in South America. You know, and when I started to um, kind of see the need right globally, right, when you start to see poverty in a different area, uh, country, you start to realize like your aspects of poverty aren't really real, right? And so having that, that experience of being from America and from, you know, the public housing um, system, but then seeing other areas of poverty made me want to come back to my own town and strengthen it. Made me want to be a part of, you know, the process. And so um, myself and a couple of other young men that are from my community started an organization called Team Crate Far Rock Strong, which is uh, some of connected to my nonprofit work and community engagement work. And um, we're about seven years in now, strong with about 150 kids that we service in the uh, far Rockaway and greater Queens and Brooklyn section of New York. And, um, that to me was like pivotal. Like once you start to go around and you start to travel, it's important that you go back to your town and sort of give back that same blueprint. Right. Because that's what happens. That's a problem in our neighborhoods too much. You know, we get college educated or we get the opportunity to leave, but then we don't come back. Right. We don't come back into supporting some of those same young people that we were when we were growing up to give the visual example of what it looks like to leave the hood or to get better. You know, it's nothing wrong with leaving the hood, but guess what? Go back and provide some resource. So the hood is better because you were part of it, not because you left. Mm -hmm. I, li I like that. Cause it's, it's funny. A lot of times you see these famous actors, famous people in the, in the media going to different countries to help, but not realizing like we need help here as well. You know, because I was speaking to someone one time where they're going overseas, pretty much helping out with books because, you know, these classes in Africa, they have probably one computer for the whole class, you know, or they don't even have chairs in a classroom as little as chairs. But they don't realize that here as well. They have, you know, experiences of not having things as well. So speak on that of what do some of these kids deal with and not having that you said, yo, this, they need they need help with this stuff like that. So I, I could just say like a lot of, um, and I won't just say young people, right? I'll say some people in our, my age group, we suffer from a lack of exposure, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, social media, we're exposed to a lot of information, but we're, we, we haven't necessarily exposed ourselves to places that we can feel successful in, right? Outside of sports and entertainment, we haven't really given ourselves the exposure that we can get you can have a successful real estate business, or you can have a successful hair business, or you can um, establish yourself um, in a number of different ways outside of the norm. So one thing that I feel like other countries or other places or immigrants come over to our country having um, that's different than us is the belief that I can turn anything into opportunity, right? That I can own a subway shop and own, own one and make it into a franchise of, of, of multiple, that I could purchase a corner store and operate as a local grocery shop and establish myself in my business. It's not, it's not that we are not exposed, but we're not exposed to those industries and those things that we feel that we can be successful in. 
And that's some of what I want to change in the young people and the people that I come into contact with. Gotcha. And what was the name of that nonprofit that you have with your friends? So it's Team Crate. If you want to follow that, everybody, Team Crate. Um, the underscore is Far Rockaway Strong, but the team operates as Team Crate. We've been kicking butt in New York City. Um, if they, if we go in at some of your kids or some of your ne- younger nephews or your nieces, because we got girls teams as well, don't take it personal, but Far Rockaway is here to take some names. So we're really proud of our young student athletes and not just proud of what they're doing on the court, but proud of how they're excelling off the court as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are some success stories from them? Because you said you've been doing it for seven years. I'm pretty sure you got some success stories from them. So success for us is, is gauged in young people being in the best suitable uh, situation for themselves. So um, we have variable success stories, right? We have success stories of young people who, without the sport, might have been taking different, um, made different decisions and might have made more negative decisions that were not best for their personal um, success. Um, we've had success stories of young people going to private schools and um, excelling in university. So the va- the barometer varies, but success to us, you know, is uh, young people being engaged, young people kind of going through our mentorship and learning from us and supporting us and growing with us and us being able to support them, not just sort of like in the middle school, high school age. We actually have some of our, high- our college age kids coming back, becoming coaches and being being viable in our communities. Okay, I like I like that. I like that. And do you ever? You said you used to play basketball. Do you ever go on the court with the kids or what? Yeah, yeah, I get out there every once in a while. But you know, um, I'm 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 40 plus of these days, and the way they take step back threes and you know some of this back and forth is a little different than me. So I'm yeah. on your big three level right now. I take three gotcha. on three pretty seriously. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> the, look, the next time I'm up there, I'm gonna hit you up. Next time, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm still right, good right. for you know a, a, a game of eleven. I'm still good. Game of eleven. All right, yes, bet. Sir. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Um, so I, I was, like I said, going on your page and I saw you recently had, um, you was able to do a, a speech for your old high school. How was that experience like going back to your high school and talking to the graduates? Oh, that was phenomenal. I mean, you know, going back to my old high school as an alumni um, of a predominantly white school at the time um, and 23 years later, seeing the diversity and seeing the mixing um, of students and student and, and teacher diversity was really kind of eye opening to me and refreshing to me. Um, but just personally, it was just like, you know, you graduated high school, you never thought that you'd be welcome back to kind of speak. Um, even as a, you know, aspiring athlete that I was, um, I never thought of or fathom being invited back to my old high school to kind of talk about my own experience. But that just showed, you know, the development of a young person who at the time, you know, wasn't really confident in themselves, didn't really know where they were going, was really trying to figure out what the code switch between living in an area like Queens and then going to a private school in Long Island was. And so um, after all of that time, coming back to kind of share that story and connect it with students that are, are presently there was definitely um, definitely a privilege and an, uh, a privilege and an honor. Okay. So and how did that come about? Did they contact you or you contacted them? Uh, so I, I had put part of my nonprofit as well. Like we have some kids that play basketball in the area and I got connected, reconnected with the current, um, um, headmaster and, um, they asked me to come out and support. And, um, as always, I, I'm really um, enthusiastic about that school and some of the mentors that I met there as well. So always wanted to be, uh, provide some support. 
Okay, and then I saw you added a lot of different other speaking engagements. So how do you actually get these speaking engagements? So we have anybody that's looking to do what you're doing, help the youth out. How would they be able to be able to talk to as many different organizations as you are? That's dope. That's dope. So I got to backtrack. I, I, I did um, have a, a education career that lasted about 14 years with me okay. ending up as a deputy super of operations. So that gave me a, 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 a platform to be able to speak to certain schools and certain community groups that I have relationships with. But if you're starting out from scratch and you have a message or you have a story, which is why I kind of wrote my book, um, 10 Steps to Helping Young People uh, Find Their Personal Greatness, it's because mo all of us have a, a story, right? All of us have an experience, a lesson, um, something that can be shared with a younger person or a person that's looking to find their way. and the easiest way to do that is to just go into the spaces that you already have built in, right? So if you're part of a church group, right, that's a great place to start. Um, if your child attends a school or if you t uh, attend a school, start in your local peer group. Um, if you're a parent, start with the local parents or the groups that you're working with, right? And share the experiences and resources that you may have, right? Many of us, um, and one of the greatest um, attributes of our parents at the Team Crate Far Strong is that they have such varied resources, right? They have experiences that are even outside of our own. So sometimes even your professional experience can be um, something that supports um, either a youth group or supports some person in that local community. So I would just say start with your own story. Start with your stories of resiliency. Because as students have come out of the pandemic, they've gotten and I'm going to say this somewhat like socially, even more delayed, right? Because what you had was most of uh, us and even adults interacting with technology intimately, like we've never had before. So now you come out of that and you've had two years of a lack of developmental social skills, right? So I really think that, uh, you know, our, our older millennials or our ex uh, people that are born in the analog space but now developing a digital time need to really reconnect with our young people through our stories so that they understand that, yeah, we had challenges too. We went through things too. We had wins. We had losses. I talk about in my book a lot of the hidden stories behind um, my basketball success that I was cut, you know, more than once. But mm -hmm. people need to understand that that happened or young people need to understand that that happened so that they can understand and internalize how their life may be going and and how they kind of get over the challenges that they're currently seeing. Okay, okay, I like that. Um, So you did talk about your book, Unlocking the Greatness Within. Talk about that. Dope, dope, dope. So I appreciate it. So I'm not a writer, okay. but I am an author. So figure okay. that out, right? <laughs> and um, I think that everybody has within them a story. And, uh, you know, I got to give kudos to my wife and my mom who just really pushed out to me like, you know, you always got a story. You got a story and your story needs to be articulated, you need to be written down for probably yourself, but then it needs to be articulated for others once you start to see how it comes together. So uh, I've been talking about writing a book, um, I would say for probably the last three years. And I will say um, it was a process that was very revealing, really, really reflective. And it kind of shows you um, growth in a, in a way because you start with a subject matter or you start with yourself and you materialize this project or this process into what comes into chapter after chapter, which becomes a book. So um, I encourage everyone to, if you're not writing a book, to journal because your life is a story. And in that story, sometimes because we're in the middle of our own chapters, we don't get the chance to see 
the full story, right? And so for me, this has been a great process. Um, I'm looking to do it again. I'm actually starting my notes around my second piece because um, I've gotten a lot of interest. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about some of the feedback that I'm getting and looking forward to continuing to be a, 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 a published author. Okay, perfect. So just explain the book then, because I know you said you're talking about starting it, but what is the actual book about? What are you trying to help with people with this book? So this is a really short read, and it really comes about a lot of my experience dealing with teachers, dealing with educators, dealing with school leaders, community groups, around building mentoring groups for young men and young ladies, um, specifically in the instructional space. But because I do have the nonprofit, it talks about community. So if you, you'll go through a number of the chapters. I have the book here. It's on Amazon. Um, you can buy it. Um, and it's a really easy read, about 10 chapters. And each chapter is, is, is themed around a specific um, theme, around like something that we want our young people to understand. Gratitude, accountability, goal setting. And each chapter begins with a story or a explanation of how that necess- uh, theme kind of showed itself through my life um, and how is I, I was able to incorporate it. And one of the pieces that I really love about it is this book is meant to be a conversation starter. So at the end of each chapter, you'll have mentor reflection questions as well as mentee questions to start to drive and spark a conversation and discussion. Now, this can be a discussion between parents. This can be a discussion between mentor to mentor or uh, mentee. Or it could be a discussion between mentee and mentee. Whomever's reading the book, I think you can find a reference point to learning something about what you're currently doing or how you're able to help someone else in your community. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can you break down gratitude a little more? Because I'm, I'm goal setting all the time. But talk about the importance of having gratitude. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. So a lot of times we really can't talk about gratitude because, you know, a lot of times we see ourselves in a deficit mindset. Right. It's hard to tell somebody who thinks they're poor to be gracious for the scraps that they're eating. Right. So I, I take the, my, the the aspect of gratitude from a sense of let's look at what's around us. Let's look at the resources and people that are connected to us that love us. And let's look at gratitude from a sense of realistically where we are. Right. Um, and, and it's hard to teach, but it's easier to discuss because now. If I have an understanding, a reference point on what you're gracious of, which I talk about in my book, which I'm gracious for the opportunity to kind of play sports and which evolved into the I was able, I was gracious for the opportunity to engage and impact youth. Right. And once you start to talk about it, then I think it evolves into a conversation and a thinking point for people to understand, well, what is what in my life could I look at from a different lens and be gracious about? Right. Many times, some of the same struggles that we're struggling over, if we look about it, there's a seed of gratitude in there um, that we're not acknowledging, right? A lot of times we talk about the mortgage payment that we're very upset that's getting uh, even more high because of interest rates, but we're gracious to have the home, right? We get upset about the car payment, but at the seed of that, if you look at it, you're gracious to be able to move from place to place in a vehicle, Right. And retrospectively, our young people can kind of go back and do the same kind of activity with their own lives to understand where gratitude lives, because gratitude can look very differently from one life to another. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, So we did talk a lot about the youth. Right. And I think an important thing that we should talk about is also the parents, because the parents are ahead of the youth. So you had an opportunity to talk to parents 
So talk about what that conversation is like. So you're not, you know, basically you're not talking to a child. Now you're talking to an adult. How how was that experience? Well, I love it. I love it because in many cases, um, you know, you have to follow the problem upstream. So if you're having issues, in many cases, young people are having issues. Then if you look at where the tree kind of fell from, you can nine times out of 10 kind of figure out what the root cause of the issue is. And so now I look at um, working with parents and, and, and supporting parents in a way of how can we support you so you're better for your child as opposed to a, a deficit mindset and problematic, like your child's a problem, so you're a problem, right? So that's the first kind of mindset that race. Secondly, I am a parent. I, I'm a proud father of two young girls, girls' dads in the house. And um, I come from the space to a learning mechanism. So many of the workshops that I like to do with parents, I want to hear what you're doing, right? Because honestly, there might be more resources and learning in the room that I'm even um, acknowledging. So I love um, having workshops and discussions with parents to cultivate a common uh, understanding of how we're parenting in this new and emerging age but also provide them real actionable steps to connecting to their young people in meaningful ways. What does that mean? You know, the other day I had a conversation with a parent who was just talking about the music, right? And as we all know, generationally, there's always going to be gaps in music, right? But I was letting her know that, you know, I don't, I don't like all the music that comes out, but I, I allow myself to kind of be exposed to it so that young people can have a conversation with me, right? And so that in itself can be an activity that you turn from a negative, but now gives, leads you to be more connected with your young person or the person that you that you care about. Mm-hmm. Um. So what would you say? So like my mindset on it is like, I don't think music is too bad. You know what I mean? If you're just living your life, you're still being good. You're, you know, music, music you listen to is not bad, but a lot of people will say the music you listen to kind of affects you. So like, let's say if you're missing to a lot of like, negativity or violence you can end up turning into that what do you say to the people that say the music you listen to was very you know n- not really good for that person for like the student or the the mentee so so there's a, a piece in my book and that's great that you talk about that i look at music um similar to like a diet and what you consume right what you mm-hmm. consume becomes you so if i eat mcdonald's every day there's a strong likelihood that I'm not only going to form high blood pressure and other diseases, but I'm not going to have a healthy lifestyle, right? I think you can agree to that. Yeah. I don't think all music is bad because, again, we come up from an age where, you know, some of our most popular rappers, I know I was a DMX fan, was 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 current, was, was constantly talked about in a negative light. And I always love, you know, some of those rappers. The, re- the What I tell to my young people is, Let's look at the music that you're looking at like a diet, right? So in one activity I had with my young people, I went through my playlist as it walks through the day, right? Kind of opens up with Sade, little affirmations, right? And sometimes, probably on a Friday, you know, I'm a little turned up. You know, I might listen to other music or hip hop at the end of the day. The reason why I told them that is that you got to look at your music just like you're looking at the food, just like you're looking at a lot of the things that you're ingesting and bringing into your psyche. You got to be careful of the messages that you're listening to. And if you're not conscious of the messages, that means that you're just you're digesting anything. So that means that you're just taking anything in. And so to that conversation about music, I think that's another opportunity to have a conversation or connect better with the young people. Right. Because I'd rather you analyze the music that you're listening to um, as opposed to me telling you that the music that you listen to is bad. 
right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather you ask, I'd rather ask questions to you about the messages that you're receiving out of music rather than say, well, or make blanket statements that all the music to you is bad because then we're starting off in a deficit conversation and we're never really going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. that's that's a good that's a good viewpoint about music. Um, but we met at a uh, event, uh, Social Proof, and also Melanin Money event. Um, basically, they were, were recording podcasts, and that's we met there. So there was a room full of entrepreneurs. Um, what is your mindset on entrepreneurship? So I think uh, the black and brown community needs to embrace, and I'm so glad that this entrepreneurship uh, buzz is happening right now, me being one of them, um, because I think it's a time for us to narrate our own conversations, narrate our own content, and narrate sort of like how we're developing ourselves in this sort of digital landscape. And I see digital being some of the huge medium because that's where a lot of our black and brown people are easiest to kind of get their businesses off the ground. So um, I will say that everybody should be an entrepreneur. Now, that doesn't mean everybody leave your nine to five job, but that means that everybody should be having or should have um, some level of, I wouldn't say business, but side hustle or some way to kind of um, monetize any other of your hobbies, you know, some most, some of the easiest um, businesses and jobs are are businesses that you can monetize off of your original experience, right? And so I, I look forward to supporting, you know, a lot of our black and brown people into getting into entrepreneurship, to experiencing entrepreneurship, because even if it's not for you, there are lessons that you can take and translate into your own financial practices that make you stronger, more efficient. Okay. Um, so I have a, a different question for you, a little different. So I know you talk about, oh man, I know you talk about the youth, right? So you talked about the digital age and everything changing. What would you say to someone that's, because I do remember an event you were talking about how you can't, you're not really familiar with, you know, the social media and stuff. So what would you say to someone? I remember, I remember, I got a good memory. I got a good you know, memory. <laughs> so you were talking about the, uh, older i'm not gonna say older generation but older people trying to get involved in this like social media um what like tiktok instagram what would you say to that person that's thinking that they're too old to do it now they're they passed their prime and they're just not even going to look into being an entrepreneur because that stuff is too hard for them so uh i actually have two phones pointed at me right now i'm still trying to figure this thing out um as some of my closest friends know I, I exist in the exennial generation. I was born in the 80s. And at that time, we were fully analog. We were fully analog civilization. But between now and to th- between then and to 2023, where we are now, we are almost completely digital, right? And so in that tra- transition, there's a lot of growth, um, a lot of difference, a lot of change, but we have to adapt, right? And I want to give credit to uh, my good sister, Donnie Wiggins, because at that same event, she gave me some definite viable tools into getting more familiar with doing it. Um, And the truth is, the only way to do it is to do it, right? Um, It it does get more difficult, but there are resources around you, like my uh, social media manager, aka my daughter, helped set me up, right? And... um, I'm going to be able to use um, different freelancers for different other digital needs that I have. I have um, freelancers and um, remote assistants to set up my website to do some of the marketing that I have. So 
while it may be difficult and it may be seem like an area that's completely out of your experience, there is uh, a thing called YouTube University and that time and commitment will allow you to get over those digital challenges or whatever challenges that you may see yourself uh, coming, I mean, coming before you to start your own business. I like that. I like that. You answered that well. Great job. Um, so now let's move on to the youth. How do you pretty much express to the youth how important it is to be an entrepreneur? Because a lot of times they're just growing up, living life. But the time to start is is young. I think the time to be an entrepreneur isn't in youth instead of getting involved in all the nonsense this world has to, to offer. That's so true. That's so true. And I think, um, you know, our youth are a little bit smarter than where we were um, and engage in social media and, and understanding finance and understanding that they can get started. I think um, what I what I tend to say to the young people that I'm involved with is, you know, trying to get them to think of what they can use their personal skills that they have right now and how to monetize that. So one of the young ladies that um, works within our or is a participant in our uh, nonprofit work loves to do um, digital design and create is very creative. So she does a lot of our marketing. She helps us do um, some of the wording that comes with our captions and content and things of that nature. So it's all about empowering uh, them to actively start monetizing on the things that they can do right now and also showing them the blueprint of how you do what you're doing right now um, in your own business. So, for example, for that, um, my daughter is part of a lot of the things that I do both on the real estate side, the nonprofit side, and the for-profit. And though she's not technically employed full time, she's exposed to various aspects. And so to me, I think it's really important that you give them responsibility, give them jobs, give them ownership, but also give them exposure to some of the industries that you're a part of and that they have interest in. No, no, I definitely like how you got your daughters involved as well. Um, but I did. I don't do too much research. I don't have any kids. But I believe if you have a business, you could like employ your kids and stuff like that and get like some write off. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I didn't get to that level okay. yet. But uh, right now okay. she's um, she's a, a hourly compensated employee off the books. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. 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 All right. Um, but what I just want to hit next, um, you do talk about the importance of, you know, building wealth. Yes. You know, especially especially with, you know, the youth and also talking to the parents. Um, so just tell my audience, what is that importance of, especially for the black and brown community? So I'm an entrepreneur. A lot of the work that I'm doing is vertically integrated into what my purpose, passion, and mission for being on this planet is. And that's to leave it better than I found it, but strengthening in communities by investing in some of the most important property um, resources that exist. For one, that's people. So that's where you get the nonprofit from. The secondly, I think is real estate. So I am a real estate investor. I'm a own, I own and my partners and I own several properties throughout New York City and Atlanta, um, to be specific. And um, I think that should be a part of every person's portfolio. At the very least, own the place that you own. I mean, excuse me, own the place that you live, uh, because. What they don't tell you is that, yes, there's a huge debt. Yes, we're in New York City, which is one of the top real estate markets in the world. But there are aspects and benefits to owning your home um, that supersede a lot of the detriments and negatives that are constantly pushed to us, right? One of that is equity, right? So in, in no other situation, at least that I understand that, do you pay for your living expense 
and it continually pays off and builds equity, right? If you rent, you're normally paying off somebody else's equity, right? So I think it's very important at the very baseline that we have a concept of owning our own um, places that we live. This way you can build, right? Because you need a, you know, everybody talks about generational wealth, but there's no foundation to it, right? Everybody's doing different things. You got people doing drop shipping. You got people doing, you know, podcasting like yourself. Um, you got people doing real estate. I think real estate should be a part of everybody's portfolio because what it does is it builds a foundation for you to do something else, for you to invest in stocks, for you to um, build your own businesses. And um, for me, that's really what's important uh, to make sure that I invest in communities, invest in people so that our communities can um, eventually continue to grow and prosper. Okay, so how, how did you get started? Because I've been thinking about this forever. Um, I know they got the fix and flip. I know they got the um, buy and hold. Um, when did you get started into it? So is this so personal or, or like investing? Like when I got started? Investing, investing. So investing, investing came out of um, an opportunity. Um, many cases, our people in our communities have these opportunities where someone in my family was having a distressed situation. Um, they could not pay. Uh, they were having struggles paying their mortgage. Um, what we did was collaborate. Um, I didn't have the credit at the time, um, but I did have some funds that I can allocate. Um, another family member who had the credit um, was able to qualify for a FHA loan, right? Mm -hmm. Which at that at that time, and I think still is, requires you to put somewhere around 3.5% down, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. this is a great example on collaborating and, 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 and not necessarily just solving a problem, but creating a business. Because out of that, we were able to salvage the home, renovate it, relocate the person into a one bedroom portion of the house, and then rent out the uh, other available section so that we can take that uh, equity and continue to build. So that was like my first step into investing. And I think I'm glad that you asked that question because it really folds into our conversation around communal, um, communal uh, economics and how we can all help each other as opposed to you know being competitive. No, that's fire. That's that's fire. I need to find. I need to look around somewhere to find find an opportunity as well. I need to. I need to get it somehow. That's right. That's right. And, and many times the first opportunity is in a network that we already have. And sometimes we're just not, um, you know, open enough to let people know that we need help, or you know, just responsive enough to say, or collaborative enough to say, hey, I got the cash, you got the credit, let's put it together. You know what I mean? And that's really important for our community to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing about that, though, I think sometimes it'll get a little scary because when money gets involved, people are just like, uh, I don't really know. How were you able to trust the people you were working with? Was it like family or just like super close friends? So it was family. But okay, okay. outside of that, this is business. So mm -hmm. even though we have family, we have operating agreements, we have procedures to make sure that both of us, all of us are safeguarded in the event that anything does go wrong. So even when you're dealing with family, it's important to kind of have these things in place so that the relationship doesn't tarnish. Um, but I would say you don't have to necessarily do it with family. You necessarily need to do it with people who have the right mindset and can understand that they're investing into an asset. Okay. I like that. And just last question on this, but how would you find these people? Like, let's say if it's not family, it's not friends, how would you find that network of people that are trying to invest? Well, the same way that, uh, 
I met you, my good brother. You know, going out there, right? You had a you yeah. you had a platform that needed um, to to have guests and to have content. I needed uh, a platform to continue to grow my own um, uh, services and product. So, in many cases, us as people of color, we just don't go about talking about what that thing is that we need, right? In spaces that are defined for that. So, one thing I would say is get into your local realtor groups. Get into your um, I'm, I'm thinking HRA. That's that's definitely another uh, uh, local realty local realty meetup chat groups. I mean, they go by a different name, but it's uh, it's leaving me right now. But those are areas in which you can start to meet up with distressed home buyers. Um, start to talk to realtors. They have an extensive list of clients. Um, that may need um, certain um, supports and help. And, and that from there, you can start to build out your team. No, that's fire. That's fire. I definitely appreciate this conversation. Uh, but I want to hit one thing before we go, your name. So I was having trouble with your name. I love it. So it's so say your name again for me and then explain so it. My, I don't want to mess my it whole up. career, I went by just Rashawn Banjo. So it's no, it's no knock to you. Um, but I am Nigerian-American. I've always been Nigerian-American. But um, it seems like Afrobeats has made us more acceptable. <laughs> so I've started to use my Nigerian name, not just because of that, um, because for one, I did go to a predominantly white school. I didn't have the support mechanisms that was telling me that my authentic culture was something to be proud of in spaces that um, people didn't know. So uh, as I started to, as I got older, I realized that there's not just wealth but there's history and there's heritage in my name and that i should stand for it so i'm thankful for that question i'm thankful to clarify my name now um so that people understand it, it is abio doom rashawn banjo and um i'm really proud to kind of say that story because there's a lot of young folks that are kind of going through that same thing that same kind of di diaspora conversation and uh my story and, and can, can help them as well I love it. I love it. But I do appreciate you coming on the show. A B.O. dude, Rashad Pancho. I got it. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. <laughs> of, of, appreciate of course. So again, this is Unknown and Talented. My name is Jalon Abrams. A B.O. dude, Rashad Banjo. See you next week. That's right. You can see me on my Instagram page at PCS uh, Unlimited. Um, my website is www.prolificconsulting.com. And you can reach me directly at Rashawn at prolificconsulting.com. Uh, Jelana, I, I just want to humbly appreciate you, brother, for having me on your platform and uh, getting me out of my social media bubble. Um, but I look forward to supporting you any way I can. And let's definitely stay connected. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry, I was supposed to let you get out, do anything else you want to say. Do you have any last words you want to say to the audience? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. I just want to say stay empowered. Um, a lot of times we're told that from a deficit mindset that we can't create, we can't own, we can't demonstrate our own greatness. So from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know that you're great and that if you need a blueprint to finding your greatness, then definitely tap into my book, but tap into me and tap into your community because somebody else knows you're great as well. Peace and love. Perfect. We out.